reading from Matthew, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out into the harvest laborers. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Cananean and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, Cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as servants and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. 
but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The word of the Lord. Hi, everybody. In the gospel reading that you just heard, a story in which Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and then sent them out to be his apostles, Jesus instructed them to essentially be Jesus to their neighbors. Jesus sent his disciples to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near, to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. What really amounted to a complete summary of everything Jesus had done up to that point. Jesus clearly wanted his followers to not just tell other people about him or the stories of things he had done, but to enact them, to live them, to do the same things that Jesus did, to be that embodied life of God, the body of Christ in and for their neighbors and world. And that's also what we understand to be the mission and purpose of the church, our mission and our purpose here at Emmanuel as baptized children of God. It's what it means when we say that the church is not someplace to go, but is something we are. Or when we say that what we do in church, or online in this case, on Sunday morning, is meant to equip us and prepare us to be the church the rest of the week, wherever we are. To make it even more local and specific to us, I hear in today's gospel reading Jesus calling us to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near to Holden and to the other towns where we live. We are called to bring healing to our neighbors here, to defiantly speak life in the face of death, to welcome and show compassion for those who feel forgotten or dismissed or abused or oppressed, and to cast out the demonic powers that hold us all in their grip and keep us from living the full kingdom life of God's justice and peace. Our congregation council this year is reading a book about being a missional congregation, meaning a congregation that is more focused on making a difference in the community around it than in just serving its members and sustaining its own institutional life. As we've worked our way through that book, we've been haunted by a question that we keep coming back to, a question that asks, if your church were to disappear tomorrow, what would your neighbors lose or miss or even notice? Of course, we all know how awful we would feel and what we would miss if Emmanuel suddenly was not here. But what about people around us who aren't members of our church? The rest of Holden. How would life be different from them if we weren't here? Other than not having a preschool to provide childcare for some or a gym where other kids can practice their soccer. Not that either of those is unimportant, but neither is really the core of our mission as a Christian church. Part of that conversation that we have as a council always centers on how hard it is to identify needs that a congregation like ours can address in a place like Holden. 
After all, the kind of needs that are most obvious to church people and the easiest for us to respond to aren't all that far away, but they also aren't all that evident close by. People who need food, for example, or shelter, or clothing, and most of the agencies that seek our volunteer support in providing such things tend to be in Worcester. So if we embody Jesus anywhere, it tends to be there, and not in our own community, and often without much physical presence. Healing. All our nearest hospitals are in Worcester, too. The poor, the forgotten, the abused and oppressed. Well, even if they could somehow afford to live here, we still have ways to make that more trouble than it's worth. But maybe the one item on Jesus' list that we think about the least is the one that is the greatest need in our immediate community. Maybe the one that sounds the most archaic and outdated and even superstitious is the crying local need that we mostly cannot see but need to address. And what I mean by that is maybe our calling is to cast out demons. And today I'm talking especially about the ugly demon of racism, a demon so deeply embedded that we mostly can't even see it, a demon so persistent that we can't even begin to cast it out of our community until we acknowledge its presence and its power also in us. In the last couple of weeks, as you know, our nation has begun to wake up to this demon's presence and work in ways it hadn't, at least for a while, before. Partly because it was exposed by a white man's knee on an unarmed and handcuffed black man's neck. A knee that stayed in place for almost nine minutes while that man begged to breathe, pleaded for his mother, and then died right before our eyes for all of us to see. And horrible as that was, it was, of course, only the latest and most egregious example of something that's been happening over and over again to communities of color. And yet, even though it keeps happening, that demon whispers in our ears, well, he must have somehow deserved it. Or if he was only more respectful of the police, it wouldn't have gone bad like that. Or else... It's not really a systemic problem, it's just a few very bad apples. Only this time, maybe it was the lessons of another demon in our midst, a hidden virus that we couldn't see, but that also threatened to sneak up on us a sickness that we hoped against hope would only inflict other people, another unpleasantness that our affluence could perhaps keep far enough away. I don't know, maybe the virus had something to do with how our nation has responded. Maybe it was just too much free time from being closed in. Maybe seeing the disproportionate share of the coronavirus suffering that was yet again borne by people of color. But the demon of systemic racism in our culture and community just seems to not quite be as hidden as it was before to us white folk. And though surely it's still denied by many, and dismissed by others as less a problem and more an excuse for seeking government help maybe or just not accepting responsibility for your own life and well-being. Still, it's a demon that's being more widely recognized as the open and festering wound that it is today, 
more so than in any time in most of our lives. And as I said, surely too, this demon of racism also infects the church, and yes, this church, every bit as much as the community that we are sent out into in which to cast it out. But if we're looking today for a need in our local community, a need in Holden that our church, perhaps in partnership with other congregations, can truly address and make a difference about, it's that need to cast out the demon of racism. Jesus gave his disciples, his apostles, his church, the authority to cast out demons, to disempower and disarm them by naming them, first of all, and exposing them for the evil that they are and that is their origin and source. This coming Wednesday, Pastor Josh and I have invited our clergy colleagues in Holden to come and meet safely distance in our church parking lot for what will really be our first gathering together since this pandemic began. We've also invited Holden's police chief, Timothy Sherblum, to join us so that we can talk about what training our police officers receive in things like implicit racial bias and de-escalation tactics, and perhaps also discuss concerns about the militarization of police work in general and the expanding need or work of police into other areas not intended for them or that they don't even really want to do as social safety nets and other social supports get removed and police get called in instead. Now perhaps that gathering on Wednesday can be just a first step toward casting out the demon of racism that keeps our community from more fully resembling the diverse beauty of the kingdom of God. Perhaps we can each also begin to question the way that we measure things like what is a good neighborhood to live in? What are good schools for our children? And see how the demon of racism has infected those choices as well. But whether or not this congregation finds that to be where Jesus is sending us, and whether casting out demons is the work ahead of us, this gospel reading gives us at least a few helpful things to chew on as we ponder what our mission is. First, the disciples that Jesus sent were not experts. They had watched Jesus do all the things that he was sending them out to do, but they surely didn't feel equipped themselves to do what he was giving them the authority to do. In that, I see the timeless truth that sometimes and in some things, you just need to do it if you're going to learn how to do it. Practice may not make perfect right away, but we do learn by trying, and we don't learn when we're afraid to try. Second, the disciples that Jesus sent weren't all alike, and they didn't all see things the same way. Take Matthew, for instance, as a tax collector. He was at least a willing collaborator with the Roman occupiers of Palestine at that time, probably thinking that it was better to keep the peace when the power differential between Rome and Jerusalem was so great. And yet, Jesus called that same Matthew to partner with Simon the Zealot, who would have been a burn-down-the-system, dismantle-Roman-occupation demonstrator. 
Simon Peter was outspoken and loyal, but often wrong. And under pressure, he denied even knowing Jesus. Judas, too, was outspoken, but he ended up betraying his Lord. Thomas, mostly quieter, but boy, when he spoke, he asked great questions. James and John thought they should have the best assignments in Jesus' cabinets when his rule began. In other words, those disciples were a lot like any church, including ours. And it is enough for the church to be united in its mission, after which it's fine for the church to be a mix of imperfect and fallible people who openly discuss and debate and sometimes disagree about the best tactics that there are available to them to accomplish that mission. But it is not good if the conversation is avoided or differences are kept hidden for fear of offending one another. That's when the demon does his best work. Which brings me to the third thing, being the church, embodying Christ in the world anywhere in any age is not easy. It's not a calling for sissies. It's a way of life that after all got Jesus nailed to a cross and that he plainly warns his followers can end up costing them every bit as much. Listen again to Jesus' instructions. Go where the lost sheep are. Go empty-handed, travel light, not as one who has all the resources or all the solutions. And don't just drop by and then leave. Go with the intent that you're gonna stay a while. Stay and listen and learn in a community with those you are seeking to serve. Be attentive too to whether your presence and help is welcomed or not. And if it's not, just move on. Be wise as serpents, Jesus says, and innocent as doves. Be aware of the complexities of the world in which you move and of the lives of those you encounter. Make every effort to understand what's happening beneath the surfaces and certainly in lives that are not like your own. Be pure of heart, but don't celebrate ignorance or fall for simplistic answers or absurd conspiracy theories that let you dismiss the problem or pin the blame on someone else. Be suspicious of opinions that reinforce what you already believed and pay attention to those that challenge your assumptions. Most of all, Jesus tells his disciples, be ready for trouble, opposition, sometimes arrest, maybe worse. But then he says, don't worry. God will give you words when they're needed. God is stronger than the demons, and they know that better than anyone else. In my introduction to last Sunday's Trinity Sunday worship, I said that that day was a mid-year hinge on the church calendar, and that everything before it, from Advent through Pentecost, focused on the life of Jesus, his birth, his ministry, his teaching, leading through Lent and his passion, death and resurrection, and then ascension and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit on Pentecost. But now, starting with these early weeks in June, 
the focus shifts for the rest of the year to the life of the church, the life of the church given spirit birth on that day of Pentecost, the ongoing life and body of Christ in the world and for the world's sake. Today, that journey has begun with a clear call and an enormous challenge. We are called and sent to be Christ bearers in the world. Our mission is to be living and breathing signs that Christ is indeed risen and alive, and that the light of God's reign of mercy and justice and peace still shines in this troubled world, and is only going to shine brighter as God's kingdom comes. This church's half of the church year begins with this gospel story of disciples being sent to be Jesus to their neighbors. Apostles of Jesus, followers of Jesus, including the church, including you and me. We are called not just to tell the stories of Jesus, but to enact them, to live them, to do the same things Jesus did, to be that embodied life of God, the body of Christ in and for the world. It is what we mean when we say the church is not just some place to go, but it is what we are. Or when we say that what we do when we're at church or online is meant to equip and prepare us to be the church the rest of the week. The gift of our baptism that makes us a member of Christ's church is also the truly high and holy calling of our baptism to be the church to do the same things Jesus did, to embody Christ for the sake of our community and world. And that means that today, Jesus is sending us, me and you, into our community and world to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near, to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and yes, cast out demons. Amen.